Welcome to the Red Letter Christians podcast. Red Letter Christians gets our name from the Bibles that highlight the words of Jesus in red. And we're aspiring to live as if Jesus meant the stuff he said. We know that the loudest, most prominent voices representing Christianity in America haven't always been the most beautiful or the most faithful voices. And we know that the way we change the narrative is by changing the narrators. We are committed to amplifying the voices of people who are dedicated to Jesus and to justice. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me. This is Shane Claiborne, and I am so excited that you could uh, listen in on the show. It's going to be a powerful conversation. Uh, For those of you that might be joining the first time, you know, every week we are talking about faith and how our faith connects us to the big issues of our time and how our faith is not just a ticket into heaven and uh, a, a license to ignore the world that we live in right now. But as Jesus said, we're praying and seeking that the kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. And for me, a part of that seeking the kingdom on earth is fighting for the abolition of the death penalty. I'm, I just got this deep sense in my gut and in my soul that the death penalty does not have a place in God's most perfect dream for the world, that God came to redeem and restore and heal the wounds of violence. And the death penalty is on the other side. It creates new wounds. It uh, uh, mirrors the evil that we're trying to heal the world of. And so I've been working for a lot of years on the abolition of the death penalty. And one of my close friends and comrades in this movement is Abe Bonowitz, who is our guest today. Abe is, is, um, well, he's kind of a legend, you know, he's, he's got he's got this uh, uh, reputation. It's kind of like anywhere the death penalty is happening in the U- U.S. Uh, and really around the world. You can find a Bonowitz. I started organizing together with him for alternatives to the death penalty like 20 years ago. Right, bro. I'm just going to put it all out there. <laughs> It's 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 longer than that. <laughs> and, mean, when when was that action at the government at the National Governors Association? Yeah, that was a long time. That was ago, before the George Bush election, so long time ago. And there's you know there's nobody that uh, that really knows more about the pulse of the death penalty, what's happening. There's experts, but but what what A. Bonowitz has done is created. Uh, a, a force of organizing uh, around the death penalty. And we, we I've, I've been a part of death penalty action uh, pretty much from the beginning. And this is the organization that uh, uh, one of many organizations that Abe's helped get started, but it's now one of the most prominent uh, um, organizing groups for alternatives to the death penalty. Abe, tell us just a little bit about death penalty action for folks that are um, you know, new to it. Uh, well, first, thanks for having me on, Shane, and it's it's great to be with you and with everybody that's listening right now. Um, Death Penalty Action was created out of an action that we did in 2017. Uh, every five years, we've been doing this since 1997, uh, on the anniversary of the first execution, the symbolic action where a number of us unfurled a banner at the top of the steps of the United States Supreme Court that said, stop executions. And we were arrested for doing that. 
technically we were arrested for not leaving but but that was the the action that we did we spent about 36 hours in jail and and after that i was driving back to ohio where i live with derek jameson one of the people that was with us who spent 20 years on death row for a crime he had nothing to do with and and he agreed to put himself back in handcuffs and back in 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 jail for a moment relatively speaking uh, to help us make the point that people are willing to put their bodies on the line in, in order to stop these executions anyway we we were driving home and we were thinking just behind us that weekend coming up Donald Trump was about to be inaugurated. And we knew that the first federal executions in over a decade were soon to happen because Donald Trump is a big fan of the death penalty and he talked about it. So we looked around the movement to abolish the death penalty and we saw that there really wasn't uh, anybody that was going to be there to do the in the streets work, to do the, the give people tools to take action, everyday people kind of tools. And uh, so we we decided that we needed to create something. And that's how Death Penalty Action, that was the, the seed. Of course, we spoke to you, uh, a few other people, and that, that was the, the creation of our board of advisors and, and our board of directors. Uh, but it's, you know, so we started getting ready to deal with those federal executions. And it soon became very clear that there was also a need at the state level. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, what we are, what Death Penalty Action is, is a way to give people things that they can do to express their opposition of the death penalty. Yeah, yeah. We're not lawyers. We very rarely are in a space where we can actually stop an execution, but that has happened and, it, and, and uh, and maybe happening again soon, depending on the cases that we're involved with. But but really, we're building our opposition to the death penalty and giving somebody people something to hang on to and to be a part of uh, as part of this movement. Yeah, and you know, I I think because we we've got you as our guest today, it's helpful to get a little bit more of a pulse on where we're at with the death penalty. Uh, both in our country and around the world. And um, I'll start, but you, I, I want to hear, you know, you give us like what you see changing, where you see hope, where we need to put our energy. But for folks that don't know, you know, when I was born um, 1975, uh, most of the world still had the death penalty. A lot of countries were still executing people. Uh, and, and, you know, you fast forward just in that amount of time, one generation, 45 years, um, what we now see is that there's just a handful of countries that are regularly executing people. Um, most of the world has abolished the death penalty. Most of the countries of the world, there's, a, there's some that still have it on the books, but when it comes to really carrying out executions, the U.S. is often in the top five most executions in the world, and we're always in the top 10. And the company that we have are countries like China, Saudi Arabia, uh, Iraq, Iran, uh, Yemen's often in there. So this, th this is, uh, we're on the wrong side of history. <laughs> but the good news is like, there's a movement happening here in the US for alternatives to the death penalty. And almost every year, we see a new state in the United States uh, move to abolition. Our country is split 
almost right down the middle right now where we've got 27 states that still have the death penalty and 23 that don't. And some are just uh, like Pennsylvania, where I live right now. We have the death penalty, but we don't use it. We haven't executed someone like over in, in several decades, but we've still got to abolish it because a new governor could change that. So, Abe, tell us a little more. Give us a little bit more of a pulse of how things are changing um, and, and, uh, and where our energy can be going right now for those of us that believe in not killing people. Sure, sure. But I think we are in a deep, dark tunnel. We can see the end of the light, the end of the tunnel, the light at the end of the tunnel. But uh, uh, we're in a moment where we're it's going to get really ugly. And part of the reason is because uh, we've been very successful at slowing down executions, uh, slowing down new death sentences, even slowing down capital indictments where they decide to seek a death sentence in a trial. And that's actually been a very strategic element of the work of, in particular, the legal community, uh, you know, catching people at the front end before they get sentenced to death. So the executions that we're seeing in the United States now are people who have been there for 20 and 30 and even 40 years or more waiting for their execution. And uh, and the lawyers have been very successful in attacking the methods of execution and suggesting that they're unconstitutional and that that uh, has because everybody moved to lethal injection, uh, which of course a lot of people may not realize that was invented by the personal physician of Adolf Hitler. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, but the, they moved to that, and it, and it looked sanitized. It looked like nobody was suffering. It made it easier on the people that were doing it theoretically, um, that were carrying out the executions. But it turns out that you know when you look at what's actually happening, that's uh, it, it's it's it is painful. It is suffering, uh, but that hasn't been enough for the U.S. Supreme Court to say it's not constitutional. It's not allowed because of that. Uh, it works in some states, but in any case, because of that, it slowed us down for a long time. These challenges to the method of execution, but that's ending. It's now people. Are, you know, the courts are saying. If you suffer a little bit on your way out, that's too bad, right? And uh, and, and where the gum up is still happening for, is where they're not. The states are not even following their own protocols. We saw that in Tennessee this year, where they were about to have their first execution coming out of the pandemic, and then they realized they they weren't even following their own protocols, and the governor had to stop the execution, and he put all the executions, there were five scheduled this year, and put them all on hold as they're studying the system. But then we have to look at other places, uh, Alabama, uh, Arizona, um, Oklahoma, is just coming out of a space where everything has been held up because of these challenges, and now the challenges are over. There's nothing in the way between uh, of uh, uh, of carrying out the executions, and they're starting. So it's going to get hairy. Uh, Oklahoma just set 25 execution dates over the next couple of years to catch to catch up on their backlog. Uh, Alabama is now scheduling people regularly. Uh, Arizona. Uh, you know, so we're seeing that in some of these states that haven't had executions in a long time. South Carolina just brought in the firing squad because in South Carolina, you have to have two viable methods of execution and they don't think they get the drugs. So they had the electric chair, they added the firing squad, and they're asking prisoners to choose between being 
gassed or 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 lethal in, injected or shot. You know, no, so we're going to see yeah. the spike in executions, uh, and then I think we're going to end the death penalty because yeah. every every single one of these executions has other issues that every time it happens we we uh we, we that's our job is to shine a spotlight on it make sure people are talking are talking about it make sure people are contacting our policymakers and helping them see that one execution out of every hundred a few hundred murders is not anything more than symbolic and it doesn't work yeah so if you're just tuning in everybody this is shane claiborne and i'm talking to my my friend and uh uh, partner in ending the death penalty, Abe Bonowitz, the executive director of Death Penalty Action, among other things. And we're talking about the death penalty. I know a lot of you listening in other countries um, are kind of scratching your head, you know, thinking about how we still have the firing squad in the United States, or we have states that are trying to bring back the gas chamber. In Tennessee, where I grew up, we still have the electric chair as a legal method of execution. And, you know, I, I was thinking, Abe, of, of um, one of the folks that we've talked with and um, that I've I interviewed for Executing Grace was Ma, uh, Ron McAndrew, who, y'all, he was a former prison warden, um, a retired prison warden. He was also one of the terrible things he had to do, among other tasks, was oversee executions. And Ron was in Florida and used the electric chair and he was absolutely haunted by the executions. Literally, the men visited him in his sleep. He uh, became very unhealthy. And so he was one of the executioners that brought lethal injection to Florida, thinking that it would be a more sanitized, humane way of killing people, but he was still haunted. And I'll never forget, you know, Abe, as I was talking to Ron, he basically said point blank, he said, there's just no good way to kill someone. Mm -hmm. And I remember right. just sitting in that. And I think that's, that's where our country really has to come to that same uh, acknowledgement that Ron did after carrying out these executions is you cannot do this. You're killing someone, right? <laughs> like, yeah. There's but no good know, way Ron, to do it. Ron is a dear friend. Uh, we've come to know each other. He carried off the last three electric chair executions in Florida. Uh, uh, but before they got to lethal injection, he had to, uh, uh, he had to 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 change his position and ultimate and change his the position he was in no longer be the warden no longer be responsible for carrying out executions and then he retired soon after that but he's not alone you know we've worked yeah. with our board of advisors of which you're the chair has uh, five people who are former executioners uh, who are now working to abolish the death penalty now sadly a couple of them have passed away and others are aging out but. Um, that's what we're seeing is the yeah. damage that we're done and the burden that we're asking state workers to take on in carrying out these executions. You know, one of the first things we did when death penalty action came out was uh, address uh, an execution spree that was created in, in uh, Arkansas because they realized they had 
uh, eight doses of their lethal injection drugs left, and they were about to expire. And so they set eight execution dates to happen in the space of 11 days, starting on Easter Monday. And they ended up getting four out of those eight. But a few weeks before that, I went on a tour around Arkansas, a media tour with a guy named Jerry Givens, who had carried out 62 executions in Virginia, both by electric chair and then by lethal injection. And he wanted to just make sure that the corrections workers were taken care of, that mm. they knew that they could say, I don't want to be a part of that. They should say, in his view, that I don't want to be a part of that. And uh, and we actually had some good success. We had several newspapers editorialize opposed to the death penalty because of what we were asking state workers to take on. So, yeah. um, you know, so that's a big piece of the issue. So let's, let's like dig just a little deeper on some of the technicalities here, because I think, you know, a lot of folks outside the U.S. and even a lot of people in the United States um, uh, don't know that we've got kind of two different versions. There's two different ways that the state can carry out executions. One is at the federal level. We have the federal death penalty where uh, our national government reserves the right to carry out executions. And those happen in Terre Haute, Indiana. Um, and then each state is making decisions on whether or not they're going to carry out executions. Some states write it in their constitution that they are abolitionists. They're done with the death penalty. Um, others like Pennsylvania were really divided and we've still got it on the books, but we don't. Well, some states it. have actively actively put it into those state constitutions to try to preserve it. Yeah. And, That's and, one and of the we're really at a, at a, a battleground because there's states like South Carolina that you mentioned that are bringing back the firing squad. There's kind of the extremes that are, despite all evidence that uh, it's, it, it doesn't serve victims. Well, it doesn't prevent crime. It, um, uh, it, it costs more to uh, put someone to death than the alternatives to it. Like there's still folks that are trying to keep it alive. And it's important, right? That those same states that are holding on to the death penalty are the same states that held on to slavery, that this is happening um, and really is a part of the kind of legacy of racism and slavery and Brian Stevenson and so many others have done great work to sort of expose that. But uh, just a year or two ago, Virginia became the first formerly Confederate state to abolish the death penalty, which is also a big deal because Virginia was, when you look at the broad brush of American history, uh, led our entire country in executions. There's over a thousand uh, executions since the 1600s. Yeah. So there's some massive breakthroughs. I mean, like you said, our executions are dropping lower and lower most year, as well as the like, uh, um, new execution dates, the death sentences. Um, in, in the 90s, like in the late 90s, we were almost at 100 executions a year, right? I mean, we were like just off the Those charts. Those were the and, deepest, darkest days in my more than 30 years of doing this work. But let's let's talk about like, so what is what what are some of the strategies that we're, we're using? Because I mean, I, I think at the federal level, there's a different strategy, well, at, you know. Um, so so we our movement actually has a strategy that we've been working. And I talked about that a little bit. We um, on the front end, 
reduce the number of executions and do that by making sure that people have good representation at trial and that we work with uh, prosecutors to have them not seek a death sentence in the first place. And that has been very successful appearing us for more than 20 years now. The lowest levels of ex not only executions, but new death sentences and also even capital indictments where they decide to seek a death sentence. So that has worked. It's really slowed things down. We have a strategy to create, you know, information in people's heads that the death penalty fails us as a public policy on, on moral, economic, social. We make mistakes. Uh, we, we execute just the, the, the least of us in terms of uh, intellectual ability and in people who are mentally ill, uh, people who are black, especially if they kill white people. You know, those that information is coming up. Uh, and then we're chipping away at the states. And we, we did have a strategy that went that the idea of taking a, a case to the U.S. Supreme Court, you know, the, our uh, Eighth Amendment of our U.S. Constitution prohibits cruel and unusual punishment. Now, they've decided that it's not cruel, but you can't look at the death penalty and not see how unusual it is. Both when you take a map of the United States and look at it state by state, you can see where it's about half of the states have right. it and, and some of those use it. But if you look at the death penalty by county, got over 3,000 counties and a couple of dozen of them are using them. And when you yeah. see that, you see that the, the, how infrequent the death penalty is and how unusual it is, therefore. So not only on a case-by-case -case basis, but on a jurisdiction by, by jurisdiction. The number one indicator of whether you might get a death sentence it has nothing to do with the crime. It's where the crime occurred. Is it in a county that has a prosecutor willing to seek a death sentence? And not all are. And we're changing some of them out electorally. Uh, and, and, and also whether they have the resources to seek a death sentence. So uh, the idea of taking that to the U.S. Supreme Court, of course, you know, it's just like having a unionizing vote. You don't want to have the vote until you know you're going to win. And, you know, right now with this current U.S. Supreme Court, it, it is a grease trail to the death house. They yeah. uh, love the death penalty. The only thing that stops the death penalty with them is if you want to make sure that you have your Christian pastor in the death room with you, laying hands on, praying out loud. As long as you have that, doesn't matter if you're intellectually disabled or mentally mm. ill or there was racism in your case. As long as you got your Christian pastor with you, then okay, we can kill you. And the Supreme Court has been acting this way. And in other ways, too, they just had a ruling in this, the end of this past session, the Shin ruling. Uh, there's a whole thing about this on the front page of our webpage at deathpenaltyaction.org. Um, they uh, asking people who live in the United States to contact our members of Congress because what the Shin ruling does is it prohibits people who have claims that they had ineffective assistance of counsel at the trial level, at the state level. It prohibits them from seeking relief at the federal courts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And and that is is just astounding. So we're at a, the strategy that the Supreme Court right now off the table until we, we shift the makeup of that court, and that could take a decade or two. Um, but we can chip away at the state by state level. So we're looking yeah. at, and we've done, we've abolished the death penalty in New Jersey, New Mexico, Illinois, Connecticut, Maryland, Nebraska, New Hampshire, uh, uh, 
Nebraska got turned over, uh, Colorado, Virginia, uh, a number of states didn't have it. And we're on the verge in conservative places like Ohio, Wyoming, Montana. Anyway. Yeah, that's a good are, point. You know, that we've got conservatives concerned about the death penalty. We've got a lot of different states <laughs> like, uh, I mean, recently in Texas, where uh, Republicans and Democrats came together to stop an execution and to um, uh, visit. We're trying to wake up those Republicans Lucio. on other cases. You know, yeah, so, so now let me just, uh, we just got a couple minutes. So um, I'm talking with Abe Bonowitz, death penalty action, dear brother of mine. And uh, I, I want to just real quickly say that there, that Joe Biden has uh, an opportunity in all of this too. Uh, and we've been asking Biden to, uh, abolish and demolish, right? To continue to house, de- declare yeah. declare his desire for the end of the death penalty and for no executions, um, but also to demolish the death house, the, the execution chamber where federal executions happen. Uh, and this is important because even though the federal government has the, the, the option of the death penalty, for years and years, we didn't see a single execution. And then under the Trump administration, we saw uh, a, an, an unprecedented record 13 in six of executions. Months. 13 executions in six months, more than like the, the four, was it four presidents before him combined? Uh, the the most executing president since Roosevelt. And Roosevelt had 13 executions over a dozen years. So, yeah. And and just to say this, that Biden's past policies have actually contributed to the problem. They widened the uh, the crimes that are eligible for the death penalty. So there's folks that are facing execution now, the possibility of it. Um, so he's got he's got a responsibility. So we're asking him and you all can join us. That's all on our website, Death Penalty Action. But, you know, in the last minute, Dave, I just wanted you to talk about we, we've done these vigils because no one should die without people being able to raise their voice and for bringing attention to it. And that's one of the things among many that Death Penalty Action has done is every execution there's a hybrid vigil. Uh, there's often people on the ground wherever it's happening, but there's also folks that join online and we really want to invite you all. But tell us a story uh, in the last minute um, about what we've, we've seen at one or two of those, you know. Well, first, I just want to make sure people know to go to deathpolityaction.org, sign the petitions. we got federal and state petitions for the upcoming executions and all that. Uh, I think the most powerful moment was back in January when we were on a vigil for a guy that was waiting for decisions from the U.S. Supreme Court, and he called a friend of his, of his who was one of our guests on the show, and we were actually on the phone with him. And it had been several hours past his execution time. And uh, we got to speak with him just before they took him off to be executed. And it was devastating and powerful and prayerful and loving. And we were able to show him that. Yeah. And you all just, I mean, it's its hard to put words to the power of it, but please join us and let's do all that we can to join Death Penalty Action and A. Bonowitz to put an end to the death penalty. And for many of us, let's do it in the name of Jesus, the executed and risen Savior. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Red Letter Christians podcast. Too often, Christians have used our faith as a ticket into heaven and a license to ignore the world we live in. 
but at Red Letter Christians, we believe our faith is not just about going to heaven when we die, but also about bringing heaven to earth while we live. For more information on Red Letter Christians and upcoming events, additional resources, you can go to the show notes or our website, redletterchristians.org. You can also support Red Letter Christians by giving a one-time donation or becoming a monthly sustainer. Just go to our website and click the red donate button. Thank you for being a part of this conversation and for being a part of this movement.